Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Kayla White. Normally with this show, we answer one of your questions about life in the place we call home, but we're doing something a little bit different today. Our podcast team has been hard at work creating another season of our sister show, Rediscovering. For season two of that show, we're covering a different topic with new hosts. Season two of Rediscovering examines the controversial Senate Bill 1070, otherwise known as the Show Me Your Papers Law. It's hosted by Yvonne Winjet Sanchez and Ronald J. Hansen. They're our national political reporters, and they also host our political podcast, The Gaggle. For today's episode of Valley 101, we're going to give you a behind-the-scenes look at that show. To kick this off, we're going to play the trailer for the show, followed by a few questions for its hosts. In the early 2000s, the U.S. Border Patrol was making more than a million arrests a year in Arizona. This is a struggle for the existence of the government of Mexico, and this is a struggle on our side of the border for the fundamental obligation that any government has, and that is to provide its citizens with secure borders. Right now, our citizens are not safe. And by 2010, many Arizonans were fed up. They'd heard promise after promise from president after president. This country is debating an important issue. It's an issue about our soul and our character. It's an issue that relates to people in our country. The immigration issue. I'm here because most Americans agree that it's time to fix a system that's been broken for way too long. But Congress could not reach a comprehensive solution. Then, a 58-year-old rancher was killed along the border in Arizona. And Arizona's politicians took the matter into their own hands. That was a real breaking point for me. After that happened, I was relentless. I wasn't stopping. I was going to get my borders secured. And by God, if the federal government was going to help me, well, then I was going to do whatever and however I was going to do it. In April 2010, Arizona passed Senate Bill 1070, or, as you may recall it, the Show Me Your Papers bill. The state law required police officers to ask about the legal status of anyone they thought who might be in the country illegally. The law put local police officers on the front lines of immigration enforcement, a role that had previously been filled only by the federal government. But what would lead an officer to think someone was in the country illegally? From the start, Critics slammed the legislation for codifying racial profiling by the police. They were still going to see our skin color. They were going to see whether we were documented or not. It's a racist law. It's causing discord in Arizona. We need your help. But Arizona forged ahead, and the world took notice. In fact, I've instructed members of my administration to closely monitor the situation and examine the civil rights and other implications of this legislation. Ten years later, the law played a role in reducing the size of the state's undocumented population. By how much is debatable. But the law unquestionably reshaped Arizona's politics, and it may have influenced the political rise of President Donald Trump. 
Well, it all starts with the federal government not coming out with a law. They've been talking about it for years, and they still haven't done anything. And Arizona is really getting crime-ridden. I mean, these people coming over, there's killings all over the place, there's shootings all over the place. I'm Ron Hansen. I'm a national political reporter for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm also the co-host of our weekly political podcast, The Gaggle. And I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I'm also a national political reporter and co-host of The Gaggle. And this is season two of Rediscovering. In this season, we'll retrace the history of SB 1070. We'll look at how the law came to be, who was responsible for it, and why it still matters a decade later. You'll hear from the people closest to it, like the governor who signed it, Jan Brewer. I think I was on the right side of this. And I do not regret doing what I did. It had to be done. And Russell Pierce, the architect of the law. And they always accused me of picking on Mexicans and not the people bringing them here and hiring them. And I said, first of all, it has nothing to do with the race. Secondly, you're absolutely right. I said, you know, take, you know, the employers are breaking the law. We need to go after them. The feds don't seem to be doing much. We just turn a blind eye. You'll also hear from those who fought against the law. They profess throughout this to be our allies and stand with us. And they nonetheless took these actions or allowed these actions to occur uh, without, uh, without much of a battle, without much of a fight. We were left on our own. And those who continue to live with its impact even today. SB 1070 had chilling effects on Arizona's Latino community. And I went up to this, this woman and I asked her, you know, why she was having a yard sale. And she said, we're leaving. But it also galvanized a new generation of activists. If we really do want to see a change, we need to go out and vote. And that generation could play a crucial role in the upcoming 2020 election. To understand why Arizona has moved from a predictably red state to a volatile purple one that could settle the 2020 presidential election, Look back, look all the way back to 2010, to SB 1070. This is Rediscovering SB 1070 from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. All five episodes drop on Wednesday, July 15th. Don't miss a single one. Subscribe to our series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey listeners, it's me, Kayla again. Joining me now are my colleagues, Yvonne Winget-Sanchez and Ronald J. Hansen. Yvonne and Ron, what made you want to tackle this show and why now? So we've both been covering politics in the state now for many years. I've been covering it for, for 20 years. And I think it was really an opportunity as we approach such an important election year to revisit some of the policies and the the people who have helped bring us to this moment and have helped make Arizona a battleground state in what is going to be the most important election of our lifetimes. And we knew the anniversary of 1070 was approaching. This was a big anniversary, 10th anniversary. And many of the same people that, you know, I met as a Latino affairs reporter back in the early 2000s and the mid 2000s um, were now in positions of advocating for their communities, 
they were you know being elected to important positions they were running businesses to you know help get democratic candidates elected they're out registering voters and they're playing a part in the political system in a way that they hadn't before 10 years ago 15 years ago they were in the streets protesting they were at the state capitol you know testifying against these pieces of legislation namely 1070 and so i think this was really an opportunity for ron and i to remind people especially new newcomers to our state about one of the dynamics that really helped bring us to this moment of really supercharged Latino involvement in politics. Yeah, I think the anniversary part of it is kind of a big one for me. Um, I think that we both had kind of the same reaction, like, wow, it's really been 10 years. It's just, it's gone by so quickly. These have been really 10 eventful years, more than I could have imagined. And I think the thing to me was that when we really did kind of scope back and and take a look at how much, you know, politically and and just culturally Arizona has moved in that time, it just really felt like um, a a momentous event well past um, just a casual mention as an anniversary. It it seemed like it was worth uh, a, a deeper look. For this show, you spoke to more than two dozen people. That includes politicians, activists, religious leaders. What was that experience like? And what stood out to you the most as you were reporting for this podcast? So it was like it was a walk down memory lane, really, in some ways, um, talking to some of these people um, and reliving these experiences um, with everyone, I think, was really emotional, whether you agree with their perspective or not. I think when we sit in this podcast recording room at the Arizona Republic with every single person that we talk to, I feel that they believe so deeply in their beliefs. So if you're talking to Catherine Figueroa, this nine-year-old who was you know, born in the United States, but her parents were undocumented, For her, this was such an emotional, devastating event in her life that she will never forget. And feeling that and revisiting that with her was really painful. When you sit and talk with Russell Pierce, who was the author of this bill and was very clearly demonized by Democrats and um, his opponents, even Republicans, you know, I felt his... Um, emotion and his beliefs and what really was driving him to feel like something had to be done because Congress wasn't doing anything. And so I think what struck me most was walking away feeling like everyone really made an emotional, impactful case for why they feel the way they feel. I just kind of wished that we, at the end of all this, could get everybody in a room. And um, maybe if it was in a format like that, they would they would understand each other a little bit more. So that, that was my takeaway. How has the legacy of SB 1070 impacted Arizona's policy and politics over the last 10 years? So when we were looking at this, I think one of the things that kind of jumped out at us was how much the composition of the legislature has changed, how much um, some of the figures that were so important, like Joe Arpaio, have really kind of gone into the twilight of their careers, not just because of age, 
but because it just seems like the political appetites, the interests of the public in Arizona have shifted so dramatically that we went from a state where uh, campaigning on the idea that we need to be getting tough on folks and, and really cracking down was a winning strategy. Now to be associated with 1070 is to really sort of put yourself in a dicey position politically. There's just this really big arc to the whole thing that um, I don't think any of us really could have fully uh, predicted 10 years ago. What do you think? Yeah, and I think we explore this a bit, too, in, in episode five of the show, kind of how all of this ended for, for a lot of these characters. But, you know, Joe Arpaio's out. Russell Pierce was recalled. Andrew Thomas, who was the you know former county attorney and worked hand in hand with Joe Arpaio, you know, the guy was not elected as he sought higher office for attorney general and then for governor. And he was eventually disbarred over some other unrelated things. And so, you know, it's really interesting to see the evolution of the type of figures that prominent figures were talking that that Arizona voters have decided to put their trust in. So now you're seeing people like Kirsten Cinema, who went from voting against this bill at the state House of Representative to all of a sudden now she's a, you know, Democratic senator from the state of Arizona. And this is the first time in 30 years that Arizonans have have elected a Democrat to that position. So certainly it helped um, change the state's politics. And um, I think it really in retrospect, really played a crucial role in helping make Arizona a battleground state. I mean, a lot of these kids are voting. They are, again, very politically involved, and they understand what's at stake because they lived it. They know what it was like to grow up afraid. They know what it was like to um, have their parents tell them where their papers were in the event that they never came home and that, you know, if they need to defend for themselves. And so they don't want to be put in that position again. And so they're out there trying to elect people um, who see eye to eye with them on these sorts of things. Creating a narrative podcast is something new for the two of you. What was that experience like? It was fun and it was frustrating and there were some tears. <laughs> um, we'd step out of every interview and be like, oh my gosh, that was such a good interview. And and in your head, you, I mean, I just would go over the interviews over and over. We talked to like 24 people it, or more. I mean, there were, a, there was a lot of work that went into this. And so you leave every interview wanting to like share it with everybody, right? And so then the writing part was super difficult because it's like, I'm used to writing a story. I'm not used to writing for broadcast. And so that was a painful experience. It was fun also. I mean, I learned a lot, but it was I am not a broadcast <laughs> reporter. I think I definitely learned that, but um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was rewarding. I, mean, I feel like I'm telling a story and then being able to listen to it. It was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so excited. Like right now, even just talking about like I am so excited. Like seeing it come together and leap off of the pages. I think was is is what has been so rewarding. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, I've been doing print reporting and, of course, we're all online now and we've done videos and such. But this was kind of 
a really deep dive into a new medium that um, I like. I am, you know, really thrilled to have had the chance to like explore and, and do this as much as we have. But I kind of feel like we were working with a net because I'm working with some of my favorite people in the world. And it's just a great group to work with. And, you know, just the energy and the interest level was so easy to keep high on this because the stories were so compelling. The people were so, um, so important. And, you know, you couldn't make them up. I mean, there's only one Russell Pierce. There's, there's only one Joe Arpaio. There's only one Carlos Garcia. Um, you know, all these folks who just you know, sort of come into this and, and make it easy to get excited. And you just, it, it's, it's just easy to be excited and pour yourself into a project that is, you know, just overflowing with such good characters. What else would you like our audience to know before the show drops? Okay, so this is an easy one for me. I was here before 1070 was passed, kind of reported on bits and pieces of it around the edges and just lived it as an Arizona resident and think that I knew all of it before we got into this in some depth. And I'm telling you the the amount of surprises, the things that I learned in going through this, it is just so amazing. Um, just a little nugget about the All-Star game here was so interesting. <laughs> like the drama gods who are just trying to make this story so interesting, you couldn't have made it up and made it any better. So if you think you know this story, there are surprises that are awaiting you. Well, we'll end this round of questions here. Ron and Yvonne, thanks so much for coming on today's show. Valley 101 listeners, you can find Rediscovering on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. All five episodes drop on Wednesday, July 15th. Perfectly binge-worthy, right? Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss a single one. Thanks so much for listening to our behind-the-scenes look at that show. Next week, we'll go back to our usual format. And the topic? If you live in Tempe, you're able to get library cards for other systems. You can check out books from the Phoenix Public Libraries or other nearby city libraries. Why is that? And what is the library doing in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic? I'm Kayla White, signing off for now. Take care until next week.